0: This time, this time, this time, this time, this time, this
1: time, this time, this time, time, for time, this time, this time, this time, this time, this time,
0: What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Chris Hampton. Welcome to episode 238 of the Power Company Podcast, brought to you by powercompanyclimbing.com. I am here in Lander, Wyoming, as usual, and we just wrapped up the International Climbers Festival, which was a great time. Already looking forward to next year. Uh, Nate has been in town, where we've been getting a lot of work done, a lot of climbing sessions, of course, board meetings. more of those coming for sure. And we've also been working on a course, a movement course for beginners that'll be out sometime later this year. So if you're not a Power Company Climbing Academy member, if you're not signed up for that email list, um, you can do that right there in the show notes in your pocket supercomputer and be the first to know when that movement course is dropping. So go do that now, I'll wait. Another thing this summer has brought is a return to the ability to sit down face-to-face with people and have these in-depth discussions that started this whole thing and that, frankly, as I've mentioned before, I'm really addicted to. And one of my favorite parts of that, of doing this podcast in general, has been listening to the, the feedback from people, getting suggestions and recommendations from people, um, who are suggesting climbers that I may not know, or may not have even heard of, um, these people that are sort of hidden away and aren't, aren't announcing all the things they're doing. And then I follow those people a little bit. And then I just out of the blue, ask if we can sit down, have a conversation. And I personally prefer to not have a bunch of, uh, Conversations prior, I, I much more prefer learning it all in real time, um, so that you're getting to hear my curiosity uh, as as a listener um, to this person. And this today's episode is is one of those instances. I I had read some of Blake's work prior, um, and had never met her and never gotten to sit down and talk with her. And we met very briefly and I just said, Hey, can we have a conversation? And, and we sat down and what you're hearing is actually our very first conversation that was for more than maybe two or three minutes. Um, So this is one of the things I absolutely love about doing this podcast. Uh, Blake Kaysen is today's guest. She is a climber and great conversationalist who holds a master's degree in health behavior and education. She's the founder of Pivot Wellness, where she's available for integrative wellness and life coaching. And she's an expert in habit setting. Um, she's also one of the founders of Climb Well, a retreat dedicated to the intersection of rock climbing, wellness, and intentional life design. They've got a retreat coming up in Rifle in September that is open for registration. You'll hear more about it at the end of this episode, and you'll also get access to a code for 10% off if you're interested in joining that retreat. It's actually something I wish had been available Um when I was really starting to dig into my own climbing performance, because I think it is a really valuable resource. All right, let's get into it. This time, this time,
1: this time, to me, there's always metaphors to, to rock climbing. One of the reasons I love rock climbing is it's taught me so much about myself, and about the world around me. We are on the rock in the same way we are in the rest of our lives. This time, this time, is power. Power. This time the
0: yeah totally and there's there's so many aspects of how to improve your climbing yeah um that aren't directly tied to just going climbing totally and that's you know that's something Nate and I the whole company kind of Struggles with is the wrong word, but like we're constantly turning it over in our hands and trying to figure yeah. out the best way to say, maybe physical training isn't the thing you need. Yeah, you know, maybe there's something else.
1: Yeah, and how to discern that case by case, right, is really interesting, and it takes a, um, at least in my experience as a coach, really takes a, a a type of presence, like you know, mental physical presence with a person that I'm talking with to feel into like what. What is the, what's their equation that they're working with and what might need to be added or subtracted? Right. Um, yeah. And, and
0: that, I, that subtracted part is really important too. Yeah, Because totally. a lot of people come into this, you know, this desire to get better at climbing and are immediately like, what do I need to add to what I'm already right. doing? Right. And the, the subtraction. Traction idea doesn't often yeah. happen first.
1: For sure. Yeah. Know? Um, I talk to clients sometimes about ad reduce, like the ad reduce model, like what, and I, and I often put it to them, like, here's this concept of like, when we want, we want things to shift. Um, what's your sense knowing? Cause you know, we're all, we're in some ways our best experts and sometimes we have, and often we have blind spots. That's why we go to somebody else. But, um, like Starting with them, putting them in the seat of the expert. What do you think might be helpful to add? And if people are honest with themselves and take a moment, they're like, eh, "Maybe this." Okay, cool. What might you need to reduce? Not take it away, not like right, right. eradicate it and avoid it at all costs, but like, what might you want to like, you know, tone down on? And mm-hmm. given the space um, to explore, often they come up with something too, which is. Uh, I, that's definitely one of the things, and I wonder if you have this with your coaching as well. Definitely one of the things I really love about the, the approach to coaching that I get to have is watching people see themselves and kind of be honest with themselves in ways that they haven't before is like, oh God, it's so inspiring.
0: Yeah. That's, Mm. it's so important to get people to be honest with themselves. Yeah. It's one thing for you as a coach to tell them a thing. But it's going to click in in a much more important way if if you can help lead them into that answer, whatever sure, it is, even sure. if you don't know the answer. Yeah, leading yeah, them into it, is
1: leading huge. them into the to their the awareness that they're asking for. You know, like they're yeah. they're often coming. You know, I'm, I'm a wellness and life coach, so it's it's pretty broad. And I think even with climbing, it's quite broad. We're still Absolutely. humans are so complex. Yeah, but. Um, like they're they're coming looking for that shift. They're looking for support. Sometimes they're looking to be told what to do, um, which is which is its own for me. My own experience of okay, I hear that. I hear you want me to tell you what to do. That's not my job to right. tell somebody what to do. I'm here to create this container for you to understand yourself. And 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 if I see room for a suggestion, I'm definitely going to give it to you. But um, for me, the approach to life coaching that I use, it's. Very very minimal advice. I might reflect something back to somebody. I might make a suggestion, but they're always the expert on on their experience, which is different in like than the training field and something I've I've been really curious of. To or would you find it? Did you see to a different?
0: degree? Yes, I yeah. think I think there are some you know physical things we need to address mm-hmm. with mini climbers. Yeah, but a lot of them. The, the, tra- the physical training part is really simple. Yeah, Most yeah, of yeah. them need basics. Most of us need yeah. basics. Um, where I see most people falter is either in, uh, including myself, is either in tactics or yeah. bad habits yeah, yeah. Um, that just don't lead to them setting themselves up for success. Sure. Um, mindset. And, you know, there, there's so many things that go into performing well. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, you know, to be to be totally frank, I love the the physical training side of it. Mm-hmm. But if that's all I was going to focus on, I would be bored out of my <laughs> mind. Because it's it's really so damn simple. Yeah, for sure. Um yeah. and performing well it so much of performing well are other things totally. that they have to focus on.
1: Yeah. It's like yeah. One spoke in a wheel of that. Yeah. That is really complex and different for all of us. And um, yeah, I think when we, you know, we as coaches or mentors or trainers can be present to that, this is act, This is a human being. This isn't just like their, you know, Max Hang, like these numbers. Right. And, and that even, right. you know, as a wellness coach, something I've grappled with and as a nutritionist of like, things like people focusing on their weight, their macros, their BMI, things like that. Like when we reduce anything to a handful of numbers, like how could we possibly see the whole picture? Right. And um, and I think that's often what people, we as individuals, balk at. And we're just like, oh, I don't even know where to start. I need somebody to help me. And, and finding that person that, that can can be present, you know, is experienced enough in in their field, experienced enough in what you're going to them to so that they can like, hold really hold a bigger picture and in some ways the phrase that i use a lot is like kind of hold it down for this person while they while they you know clarify build awareness around their performance their mindset mm-hmm. their um their relationship with their body whatever it is you know like really hold it down and hold a container while they um while they parse through that it's yeah. pretty cool and i think that's yeah. like to me that's the sanctity of of the work that I do. And I think the sanctity of, of coaching and training in general is like you're working with somebody that's trying to, trying to better themselves, trying to express themselves to their fullest capacity. Like how fucking spectacular. How cool.
0: Yeah. I I love that image you just put into my head. Um, My wife, Annalisa Mm -hmm. and, and uh, many of her friends love to shop, uh, love to dig through boxes filled with old clothes. Um, there's a, a guy they go to in Riverton who pretty much nobody else knows about. So they have this pick of this enormous warehouse filled with vintage clothes. Uh-huh. You know? And they go through there and dig through all these boxes. And I love the idea of holding this container mm-hmm. for someone while yeah. they dig through and find the things that are yeah. important to them. Yeah. And you help guide them a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How, do you, how do you deal with, because I'm sure you encounter this the same as we do, The people who come to you really looking for answers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And it's a, you know, I want to give them some semblance of what they want, Mm. but I also know that it's more important for me to ask them questions. Yeah. And to have them find the answers. Yeah. Um, Whether I know the answer or not. Sure. You know? I want them to find it for themselves. How do sure. you how do you deal with that?
1: Yeah, um, that's been a definitely a learning curve for me personally as a coach. Yeah, same. Um, I, I I you know came into coaching knowing that like my my opinions were not important, mm. um, and that. And over time that has come to a place that like trying to understand like, okay, well, what does that mean? Like, cause I can still have thoughts and ideas and, and like a sense. And so what do I do with those? Um, and so for me, uh, coaching is like a, is um, is like a pretty whole, whole Blake experience. Like I'm listening with my ears. I'm listening with my body. I'm listening, mm-hmm. I'm listening um, for things between what they're saying, I'm making connections. Um, and, and through that, when I when I have a sense that, that they're, they're really wanting me to, to give them the answers, or they're saying, like, what would you do? There are times when somebody asks me, like, what would you do? What should I do? And I have a really strong felt sense that they've exhausted their resources. Like they're at the end Mm. of what, of their awareness, their understanding, their, their internal and external resources, they're at the end of them. And in those times, I would probably make a suggestion. And even if it's something simple, but it's coming from a felt sense of like, well, I'm seeing this bigger picture because I'm not, I'm not emotionally wrapped up in their experience like they are. So I can hold this, this. Um, zoomed out view and so either I'll make a suggestion um, or sometimes I, I I feel like they've exhausted their resources and then I might just ask them like a really broad question like what do you need? You're asking yeah. me what, what you should do and, and we can get to that but I'm also curious what do you need right now? Right. Like do you need a minute? Are you feeling overwhelmed? Whatever it is. Um, but then sometimes I just, I, I get a sense when they ask for me to tell them what to do or, or they're coming to coaching with that perspective that that's what I do is I tell them, uh, I just like, you know, give them a plan and I'm like, do X, Y, and Z and you'll be happy.
0: Here's your life outline. Exactly. Which is
1: way too much pressure. Like I can't even imagine (laughs) doing that for somebody. Um, and, uh, and that's why it's like the, they are, they're the owners of their lives. So, so, you know, continuing to remind them act like that, that they are the owners. Um, but also sometimes I will, um, um, try to, try to, because sometimes when we get to that point of, uh, I don't know, what would you do? Like, we're just, maybe we haven't exhausted our resources. We're just like really zoomed in. We're like narrowed. Our, our brain isn't, we're, you know, in our, in our limbic system, like our our emotional center, we're in our amygdala, like we're totally like, totally, totally overwhelmed. And so often in those cases, when I feel like they're just overwhelmed, and they're not in their like prefrontal cortex, higher functioning brain, part of their brain, um, I'll ask them a question that really zooms things out, or like bring in a little bit of lightness, like crack a joke, or like um, something to kind of and, and sometimes it feels like breaking the spell
0: yeah. of
1: of yeah. that like narrowed focus downward spiral. I don't know. You tell me. Um, kind of disconnected from themselves. Sure. Feeling um, if th- if that's what I'm sensing from them, of like they've they haven't quite exhausted their resources. That they're just closed off to them. Like they have yeah. more resources, but they're they're too zoom too narrowed, too overwhelmed to touch them in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: so yeah, I, I feel like you know when you're talking about them getting overwhelmed and not knowing where to go next, or you mm-hmm. know, exhausting their resources, that feels like to me. And I see this happen while people are physically climbing yeah. as well. hundred oh, percent. Where when they're overwhelmed, they become one hundred percent reactive For and sure. not proactive at For all. Sure. There's no there's no plan forward. Mm-hmm. It's just I'm going to grab this hold. It feels horrible. Mm-hmm. That freaks me out. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to drop off, you right, know? And right. there's all this reaction that happens and it spirals into this negative place a lot of the time. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, we see it happen while we're watching a climber and it <laughs> certainly happens in, yeah. in life too.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah.
0: You know, one of the things that that people often assume is my job as a coach Mm. is like to give them the beta they need, you know, Mm. to do a thing. Mm -hmm. And I oftentimes, even if I know the beta, even if I've done the boulder or Mm -hmm. done the route, or I can see the beta clearly, but they're not, they haven't developed their skills enough to be able to see the solution. I can see. Mm. I'll say, I, I really don't know. maybe, Maybe I would try this. Yeah. And I'll Mm -hmm. give them a different solution, Mm -hmm. one that I even know may not work. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. and frame it as this exploration of let's see how things feel and then let's, let's judge what our next step is based off of planning ahead for this step. Right. And, and I think that tends to break people out of the, I'm just here to get an answer. Right. It's more like this is a mutual exploration of how to improve or totally. how to succeed or whatever it is they're looking for.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's definitely. A, a, I think a misnomer that that it is just as helpful for us to be given the answer as it is to yeah. to find on our own, and and mm-hmm. it's really not true. Like yeah. the 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 very you know you like knowing the beta quote unquote whatever it is me knowing the beta on somebody's like life coaching thing um it's not just like this single pointed thing that we that was that we downloaded from the universe you (laughs) know like like it's it was a lot of right
0: and we could just
1: we could just pass our downloads on to other people and they'd be totally fine like that's maybe that's a something in the future that we'll be doing as coaches but um But like, you know, people talk a lot about um, intuition. And for some folks, that can be like a kind of gauzy, vague, Mm -hmm. woo-woo term about intuition. But um, I like to remind folks at least a perspective. I'll I'll offer this as an alternative perspective to the gauzy, um, woo-woo connotations of intuition is that it's data-driven. Totally. It's it's a collection of things that we have consciously and unconsciously picked up on. Yeah. In, in the world around us. You know, something like beta, um, it took me a long time to figure out beta on my own, to remember beta, because I was a new climber. Absolutely. And I went from 5'10 to 5'12 really quickly, and I got stronger, but my technique wasn't great, and, um, or relatively. You know, like, I, I was making it work, but... Um, that's something that over the the last maybe five years has grown exponentially because of a lot of rock climbing, a lot of data collection yeah. about what it feels like to oppose, what things look like that fit in my body or don't. Um, and and that's something that, you know, getting, getting the beta and whatever that means in the moment to, from somebody, getting somebody's beta can be helpful as long as we're integrating it into our actual experience, you know, like paying attention to how what data points we've collected about ourselves and right. the world as we know it. Um,
0: yeah, I love the I love the reframing into this is just us collecting data yeah, points. Yeah, yes, you know? and then we can go back and look at all these data points. And the Mm -hmm. more we do that, the better we get at sifting through the data points and pulling out the ones we need at the moment.
1: For sure. And the ones, you know. um,
0: And the ones we don't need.
1: Exactly. We learn as much from what doesn't work as what does. Like that. that's um, another kind of myth or misconception that I bring so much into the work that I do, whether I'm speaking or facilitating or coaching, is like it's all important. It might not be all um, workable, but it's all important. Even what we find is not workable is really, really important as we kind of delineate um, where we're at, where we're trying to go, what we're trying to do. Okay, if I'm trying to do this, this data, this is what I know is not workable. The rest of it, I'm not really sure. Um, And that's, at least from that stance, when when I'm in that stance, that's that zoomed out perspective that I was talking about with clients before. Of like when I'm in the stance of like it's all okay, it's all data, it's all important. Um, that's when I'm the most highly functioning, the most creative. The, and we all are. This you know yeah. this is like basic positive psychology neuroscience. Like we're all more we're all more engaged, more um, inspired, enthusiastic, crea- creative, connected when we when we hold that kind of. Um, that kind of mindful stance. Yeah.
0: yeah, absolutely. And, you know, just to, again, since we've already sort of started out this way, <laughs> bring it back to, you know, the the more concrete act of rock climbing. Yeah, We will very often try variations on our beta and very <laughs> yeah. quickly say, oh, that's not going to work for me. That's right. not going to work for me, yeah. you know. And then as you get better and better at that process, there are times where you're going to say, that doesn't work for me. And then three days later go, oh, I learned something that connects back to that thing that didn't yeah. work to me for me before. So maybe I need to go back to that and revisit it. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden now it does work and it's mm-hmm. the better way. Sure. And mm-hmm. so it's so important to keep in mind that all of these really tactile skills we're learning while we're rock climbing mm-hmm. are just these like tiny microcosms of how, how we interact with life in general.
1: Totally. Yeah. And, and that all of that is, to use that word again, like all of that is important. All of that is, is a part of the experience on the rock climb that you're trying to challenge yourself on, on the, on the Mm. moment in your life that is challenging you, whatever it is of like, well, that didn't work to, um, to handle that conversation that way. Okay, well now what, how do I want to be in that conversation or how do I want to be with this rock climb, um, and, and going from there can be really helpful. Yeah.
0: Mm. I'm going to shift gears mm-hmm. a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I, I absolutely blindsided you for this <laughs> interview. Um, we're here at the Climbers Festival, and I had a million things going on. And that the morning that I talked to you, uh-huh. I had had a clinic um, with Luke Mihal. We were talking to people about cultivating creativity in their, in their climbing life and career and, you know, how to, how to make creativity work for you and maybe turn it into, you know, a a way to make money in Mm -hmm. this industry. Mm -hmm. And it occurred to me while we were having that clinic that I was talking about a lot of the things that I had read from you in the past um, there are things that just sort of I've fallen into mm. or cultivated myself. And what popped into my head was a phrase that I believe I first saw on your blog, which was, "I've I've built a life I don't need to take vacations from.
1: Bingo. Yeah.
0: And the people around me who are living lives where they get a two week vacation or they have to take a break regularly are always questioning me. Like you you're working all the time, you know, this is unhealthy. And I'm like, yeah, but a lot of these things I'm doing at work recharge my batteries. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. these are things I'm doing for fun. These are things I love doing. I just happen to have figured out a way to make them a part of my career and a part of my life and so even if I go on a vacation that someone might you know air quotes vacation I'm still going to want to pull out the iPad and draw these little charts that I make or I'm going to want to come up with ideas for a new podcast or you know whatever because I just love what I'm doing Mm -hmm. so much Mm -hmm. um and then I, you know, happened to bump into you in the middle of a frantic <laughs> moment in my day and was like, Blake, I need to talk to you. you know? yeah, yeah, So, so thank you for sitting down yeah. first off, yeah. kind of on short notice and being able to just being willing to just roll with this. Yeah. Um, like I told you earlier, I love meeting people and getting to know people through these interviews. Yeah. Um, so thank you for that. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about ways to help people cultivate these lives that they don't need to take vacations from to, yeah. to steal that phrase from yeah, you and the, and the habits that might come into building that? Yeah. And first off, to start us off, am I even using that phrase in the right way? way like it it popped into my head and I used it and I thought I wonder if that's how she meant it yeah uh,
1: that's a good question thanks for clarifying Um, I think there are a lot of different ways I I I think what comes to mind for most people first is like you're doing a job that you love and are passionate about Mm -hmm. and um, that's not everybody's jam. That's not how everybody wants to be totally. with work. And, and I think that's a, um, a misconception of our generation or my generation and probably the generation below me that we, um, you know, we saw our parents like in the grind, just head down, pay the mortgage, retire. Um, and we're like, I don't want to do that. So I want to be super passionate about my job. And that's a really great option to remind ourselves of, and it doesn't work for everybody. Sure. Um, I th- and you life know, would
0: actually be way simpler if I just had a nine to five or somebody sure. told me what to do
1: in some ways, right? In, and, right. and yeah, it like wouldn't
0: be as fulfilling for me
1: for for you. Yes. And yeah. I think that's, um, you know, i own I own my own business. i've I've had it for four years. I never before owning my own business, ever thought of myself as an entrepreneur. Like mm-hmm. there was a lot of time. At the beginning, where I was like, "I'm not really an entrepreneur," and at one point I was like, "Blake, yes, you are." <laughs> like, what? A, <laughs> what a strange thing to to be feeding myself that I'm not an entrepreneur when I own my own business and I'm right. building my own business. Like, right. what a, what a, like it was a very real moment of like, "Wow, I'm totally um, holding myself back from actually probably finding more peace and ease in this situation." But um, it's not for everybody, and. Uh, you know comparison is the thief of joy so mm-hmm. when when somebody sees your job and they or, or my job like I get to do it I lived in an RV built my business and traveled for three years and people are like oh my god that's amazing and I would always be like one it has its sacrifices and ups and downs but two it aligns with my values and it doesn't mean that's going to align with yours yeah um and I and I think that's part of the to me the actual, Truth of a life you don't need a vacation up with from is that it's it's deliberately designed to align with your needs and values and whatever those are, and and that is to say that that's that's a way bigger like process or um, question to chew on because yeah. it it it's, it means like well what are my values what are my needs right now how might those change what do I want to do with those, and that. Um, in my experience, my understanding, working with people, that's a big part of the coaching that I do is around like work-life balance, folks that are feeling burned out that are often living pretty misaligned lives. Mm -hmm. And um, sometimes, you know, after coaching with them for a while, they do shift jobs, but often they shift more subtle things, subtle things they were doing, thinking, being, pursuing that actually weren't aligned with their values and they needed a vacation from all that misalignment. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's, you know, a lot of like the things we were talking about before, like that's the, um, those are the subtleties that, that really takes some, some time and peace and patience with ourselves to, to discern. I love that word, to really discern, like yeah. what is my truth here and what, like, you know, talk about what's workable and what's not workable. So it, as I zoom out and look at my life, like what feels workable, what feels not workable, and in some ways getting into the minutia. Um, and in this moment, I'm thinking of like, you know, projecting, I do mostly route climbing, like projecting a route, like some, but you get to a point where you have to get down to the minutia, you have to get down to the, the micro adjustments, the micro perspective. And, and that's often what makes all the difference. But it takes some like, some patience with it. And the same with our lives.
0: Yeah, totally, and even, I think before, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, but mm-hmm. the even before you get down to that minutia, um, one question I very often ask people, and I ask because it's a question I've asked myself repeatedly over the years, is where in the hierarchy of my values do I place this thing, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. It's very easy to start feeling like I have to do this and I have to do this mm-hmm. and I have to do this. And whether that's in your life, your career, whether it's climbing, you know, I wanna on site 12A, I wanna send 12C, I wanna flash 12B, I wanna do 4511s this season, I wanna do these new classic routes that just went up, I wanna visit this new crag, I wanna, mm. you know, we, we build all these goals that we feel like right. we have to do. Um, but, and I'm, I'm really good at making goals for myself, you know, <laughs> sure. lots of them. And then I will have to sit down and say, what is the value of this goal for me? Mm. And yeah. if it doesn't hold enough value, I, I'm now pretty good at saying, okay, I'm done with that. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't need that right now. Yeah, mm-hmm. It's still there. Maybe I can pick it up again sometime, sure. Sure. but these are the ones I really value. So yeah. this is where my. Yeah. focus is going to yeah, be
1: yeah yeah you know yeah yeah um goal- setting is definitely uh a, a, a growing part of the i think the modern generation modern culture of, in a lot of different ways but definitely with climbing we talk a lot about goal setting how to set goals and um yeah and and even that that awareness that you're having of like okay these are these ideas that i have of goals mm-hmm. and then when i get honest with myself about like well How, what's my motivation for this? Where does this fit? How, how, if, you know, like, how could this fit? Does this fit in my life? Like, you know, something like, I want to do a big wall. Like, okay, what do you need to move around? What do you need to add, reduce, whatever? Like, how does that fit? Does it fit? Does it fit right now? Um, And that's kind of the, the honesty and the, the alignment that we have to, like, be pretty accountable to ourselves about.
0: Mm mm-hmm. yeah. I love that. Uh, one of the things I watch people for all the time is the way they use their words. Mm. I, I'm, I love language. I love words in general. Mm. And I love that you. You're so quick at when you say add, you just follow it with reduce. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that. Yeah. And it it strikes me how good you are at it. So, Mm, and and it's so important and it feels important when you do it. Yeah. Yeah. Partly because it's not add, subtract. It's not just what, what do we need to add? Yeah. I I love that you are good at that total aside there. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I try to be, um, like one of my, one of my strengths is self-awareness. I don't, I'm not, I'm definitely totally fucking up all the time and making mistakes. And, um, I'm pretty pretty self-aware and and things like that I have learned based on you know the data collection of how things land with me mm. you know that like that when I um, am adding positive things and being really gentle and compassionate with myself about the stuff that like eh, I could probably tone that down that wasn't my best work maybe I could like be a little more conscious of that um, there's a lot more um, there's, it's a lot more energizing. You know, we're talking about a life you don't need a vacation from. Uh, to me, that's a lot around energizers and drains. And mm-hmm. um, Exactly. That, that to me is so much more energizing to to hold compassion with myself about where I'm at, where I want to go and what it might look like to get there with like, with a little bit of softness while still being firm with like, that was not my best work. That did not go like I wanted it to. Now what? What might I kind of like be more conscious of and, and maybe reduce a little bit in my life, in my in my approach to this, in my perspective right now. Um, yeah, it's a it's it is a I won't say like a hard one skill, but it's definitely a skill. It's something that I learned and I yeah. kept like working at because I realized Collecting data that it just felt better when I was, when I had some gentle and firm compassion with myself and with others. And that, to me, add reduce is super compassionate.
0: Yeah. And it, it, you used a phrase that I really like and I've been using a lot lately as I'm kind of zooming in on it for myself. Mm-hmm. And that's um, energize and drain. Mm-hmm. And I take a lot of time to think about what aspects. Of of my work, my life, my climbing, yeah. all the things energize me or drain me. And some of those things that drain me are necessary, mm-hmm. and I need to those those stay in the rotation. Mm-hmm. But I have to understand that that's one of the things that drains me, and mm-hmm. I can't do four of the things that drain me in a row <laughs> yeah. effectively. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have to be able to bounce back and forth between the energizing thing, the draining thing, yeah. and. And the more I dig into that, the more I'm understanding little little subtleties of it. Mm-hmm. You know, For instance, if I'm trying to do a Zoom interview with someone, that's draining for me. Mm-hmm. These conversations where I'm sitting across from someone getting to know them are energizing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could do a hundred of these in a week and feel on top of the world. Mm-hmm. And I do two Zoom interviews and I'm done.
1: Totally. You know? yeah.
0: um, and I understand that. And I've also recently started thinking in terms of what parts of my, of my, uh, my existence are being drained or yeah. are being energized. And I, I can do a lot of creative work in all of these different aspects, but some of that creative work is draining. And I know that if I'm in here working in the house, working on – You know, a podcast idea, or working on a drawing, or um, a a written piece—whatever—I'm draining myself of creativity, and then I can't go out into the gym and make up good problems. Um, But I can go out there and just do the circuits that I've learned, and I can, you know, kind of push myself through. And vice versa, if I'm in here doing. More busy type work, I can't go out there and do the circuits. I'm mm-hmm. fried for that mm-hmm. part of myself. Yeah, but I can go out there and exercise some creativity and sure. give myself room to just have fun at mm-hmm. whatever physical state I'm in at that yeah. moment.
1: Yeah, you know? yeah, that's that's I think a crucial element of the of the kind of life design that mm-hmm. we're talking about and and leading a life that that we're overall energized, we're overall, which leads us to be present to ourselves, present to other people, like a lot of the things that we're all looking for, it it boils down to these, like, these choices throughout the day. And so I'm wondering for you, what was that, what was that process like of f- feeling or knowing or determining your energizers and drains? How, how did you, how did you start to understand that part of yourself?
0: I... I'm a big believer in that you have to take something too far to learn where the limits are. Um, And I definitely went too far down the road of the draining things. And very distinct memory. I've talked about it on this podcast before. Lying in the floor of my truck camper in Waco Tanks, mumbling to myself I'm shutting this fucking thing down, shutting the whole mm. fucking thing down, you mm, know, mm. because I was just doing too much of the things that I thought I have to do, you know? Yeah. And, and I, I feel like I've maybe by necessity, because of the way I grew up, built this, this, this way of bouncing back when I, kind of hit the wall Mm. you know um and so that i needed to hit that wall at Mm -hmm. that moment because then i was able to turn around and look at it with a new lens and say okay these things are killing me you know yeah and i can find someone else to do these things um who likes these things Mm -hmm. who who find energy in this kind of thing Mm -hmm. where it just Destroys me, you know, and and these are the things I really enjoy doing or even if I don't enjoy them They still energize me like in the moment. I might not enjoy it. I might struggle through it But I can find the finish line Mm -hmm. and feel good afterward and those things I Kept in the rotation and just Mm -hmm. learned I learned the value of those things, you know Um, so for me, it was all about hitting the wall and Mm -hmm. I I'm sure that's not the only way I would love to hear from you are there better ways of doing that because hitting Mm -hmm. the wall over and over is a pretty destructive thing
1: yeah um that is definitely one way and I think I definitely have experienced that in myself in different aspects of my life um and see it um with clients um, I think one of the things I love most about coaching, and maybe this comes up for you too, is like you just get to see the human experience and relate to all, how relate to these humans all the time, and it's so cool to get exactly. to yeah to get to see it and be like, I feel you. Let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's such a um, humbling, grounding reminder that like we're all doing our best, yeah. and sometimes we're totally messing up. But um, as far as determining energizers and drains. It can be, you know, hitting rock bottom or hitting the wall can be super motivating to do different, feel different. Um, And And I'm the
0: type of person who is like motivated by a coach who yells at me. Yeah, exactly.
1: Exactly. I'm
0: that type of person. Yes. Not everyone is.
1: Okay, exactly. And that's that's a really good kind of metaphor or, or image of the rock bottom coach that yells at you. Like those are elements of what energizes your motivation. Um, not everybody is motivated by rock bottom. Some people are overwhelmed and demoralized and their self-efficacy, their sense of effectiveness is gone. Um, and, um, I think other, other folks that I've seen have, are, um, you know, motivated by uh, just some area of their life that's not working that well. And so they get curious because this thing is so important to them. Like, um, you know, like for climbers, like I'm climbing really poorly. Okay, what's going on with that? And so that they're they're motivated to get curious about this thing that they really value. And so it could be rock climbing. It could be like my relationship is a shit show. What's, what's up with that? And that's really important to me. I want to be present to that. And so um, uh, a quote that I, a, a mentor of mine uses, I think it's um, – uh, comes from like the Zen tradition. Everything rests on the tip of your motivation, hmm. and and determining what your motivation is to like in your life or or to clear out these drains or manage these drains, build more energizers. Like, what's your motivation in that? Can be a really really important thing. Um, other ways to to navigate that that I work with clients on is um, just taking you know in that rock bottom place, we can be kind of like zoomed in our resources super, super low. And that's, a, that can be a helpful time for a coach, but it, it also takes some time to like, like get back breathing again in a way. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so if people are not yet to that place, they have a little bit more like mental, emotional, um, physical, spiritual resources, you know, like a little bit more online. And so we can just start to reflect on different areas of our lives. like, Um, in my relationship, what energizes me, what, and so, and and to give a little bit more like um, definition or context or image around energizers or being energized, it'd be like, um, I feel really myself. I feel really um, in touch with people around me. I feel Mm. really um, like, I feel really motivated to use that word again. Um, I feel like I'm expressing myself clearly. Um, I think to me, it has a lot to, to me personally, has a lot to do with like, do I, do I, can I feel myself, and can I feel other people? If I can't feel myself and I can't feel other people with at least like a pretty clear stance, then something is is maybe misaligned. So, so energizers are, are for me are the things that that connect me to myself, self and others. Versus a drain, like um, I feel tired, I feel clouded, I feel like. Um, Uh, frustrated, you know, like negative emotions are coming up. I feel disconnected from myself, you know, like a floating head disconnected from my body. Um, I'm annoyed at other people, things Mm. like this. Um, Or I come out of it and I'm just like some, some, and you alluded to this, like some body system is really, um, really depleted, like mentally really tired, emotionally really tired, physically really tired. Um, And that is another kind of aspect of, of taking this inventory. It's like, okay, here are the energizers, here are the drains. And then starting to reflect on, and this can be something where you're writing, um, but starting to reflect on like, okay, so when I, as I did this for myself with my business, like, um, as I'm doing, um, social media marketing type stuff, like I, I don't prefer it. It's not, it's not something energizing to me at that time. It wasn't. Yeah. And I was like, okay, what's not energizing or what's draining about it? And what part of me is drained? And it was more mental, um, like lots of like tension about like, I have to say the perfect thing. And so it kind of was bringing up some emotion too. Um, so being aware of like, say, starting with one area of your life, an area of your life that feels maybe the most misaligned, if that's if you have the resources for that, or just an area of your life, maybe um, you don't have the resources to dive right in. And looking at like what makes me feel most like myself, what makes me feel least like myself um, and whatever that means to you. And um, and often with that, it can be like, you know, I work a lot with um, people around like their work life and it can be something what when we're doing this, when I'm doing this process with clients, often what I'm asking and and we're, we're, we're both getting really curious about is well, what part of that is draining right? or what part of that is energizing? Yeah, um, cause You don't
0: have to throw out the whole thing.
1: Exactly, exactly. And, um, you know, like meetings with my boss are super draining. Okay, let's talk about that. Like when you think about that experience, when you visualize that in your head, what's the part that brings the most tension? What's the part that, that if you were to like be able to cut and paste, you would edit out of that story? Yeah. Um, and it's like, well, what's most draining is my my pen, my overwhelming fear that he's going to give me negative feedback and I'm going to be called out on it or something. Right. It's like, okay, cool. So, what's most draining is your thoughts and beliefs about it. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Let's explore that. Um, and um, and that can be really just. Um, I use a lot of metaphor, and a metaphor that that to me speaks a lot is when when I'm when we as individuals with ourselves or, you know, when I'm coaching, when we can get into at least a neutral, if not kind of like a curious, which is a positive mindset, we're a lot more able to lay the cards out on the table and, and really just look at them. Yeah. Look at them with um with that curiosity, with the the sense of empowerment, sense of self-efficacy, that like, hmm, okay, those cards are on the table. These are my energizers, these are my drains. Okay, like letting those sit for a little bit, like. Let's see, let's see, now that I'm aware of them, let's see how that, how that stews for a while. And then maybe changing them over time. Um, but we often um, wanna go from, okay, I see the quote unquote problem, I wanna change it. I wanna like dive in and fix it. I wanna fix the Energizer, I wanna fix the drains, I wanna just like fix it all. I, a quote I heard recently from um, Albert Einstein is, if I had 60 minutes to solve a problem, I would spend 55 minutes defining the problem and five minutes trying to solve mm. it. And that's like, we don't want to do that. We right. just want to be like, right. like people right now are like, pause the podcast, energizes and drains. All right, get those drains <laughs> fucking out of here. I'm done. And like, yeah. I hear that. I love that. We all have that capacity in us. And, and my, you know, if I were, if I were coaching that person, that moment, I'd be like, I hear that enthusiasm. I see that, that psych for, for feeling better and, and making the change. And I really love that motivation and Let's let's let these marinate for a little bit. Like that might be a moment where I'd be like, where I would would come in with like, let's like let's ground and see what happens.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I'm gonna make another climbing analogy yeah, here please. to to that Einstein quote, which I think is brilliant. I see so many people who are trying a route or trying a boulder problem that will every single attempt just start from the bottom. Like yeah. I, I might just do the whole thing right now. So yeah, that's yeah. what I'm going to do. Right. And I think one of the important parts about doing links and doing other sections is that it allows the the challenges to show themselves mm-hmm. that you may not anticipate. Mm-hmm. And there's no exploration of those challenges when you just start from the bottom and keep falling over and over and over and over and Joy. over. Um, Because you want the success and you see this as the fastest path to the success, whatever that means. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, those are some of the subtle things that like coaching and mentoring can offer us that can be really great. Like what I'm seeing is you're going for the ground, trying to red point every time. And then I see you get up there and I see you like bobbling your feet and doing different beta every time. What about this? Um, yeah,
0: something Arno yeah, Arno said to me years ago in an interview was that he views these performances as a, a test of sorts. Mm. And if you're not prepared to pass the test, it will show you that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's important for us to, yeah. rather than just say, oh, I want to start the test over, let me let me look at this section of the test that was really hard for me yeah. and explore that and learn more about that. And yeah. then I can go back and start the test over.
1: Totally. Yeah. What a beautiful example of compassion. Really. Like the, the, um, that's that kind of like firm compassion. It's not like, oh, you did okay. Like uh, how I, comp- how I, understand and distinguish compassion is like there's there's gentle compassion that's like really loving and soft and supportive and there's firm compassion that's really challenging mm. and when we and we often mm. kind of lump them all together and think compassion is like just the gentle side but firm compassion is also super effective like okay yeah that wasn't my best burn i'm there's something missing from what i from my approach and my level of skill and understanding of this and it's not just like that's okay. It's, it's, it was, it's a really hard rock climb. It's also, okay, what do you want to learn from it?
0: I love that. You, you said that you provide yourself gentle compassion earlier. Mm -hmm. And when you, when you said that phrase, I, I keyed in on it and, and was going to ask you about it. And then we just kept talking (laughs) about other things because I'm someone who gentle compassion doesn't do me much good. Sure, I, I need firm compassion, yeah, yeah. and I mean, I wrote a whole book about it called yeah. "The Hard Truth," yeah, and yeah. and I I like that, like just punch me in my face with it, <laughs> but but love me at the same exactly, time. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, and it's super loving. That works really well for me.
1: Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I think there's a lot that of distinction misunderstand- is cool. Yeah, and a lot of misunderstanding. I think on both sides, you know, that like I think sometimes people think gentle compassion is being nice and right, I really right. don't like like I don't want somebody to be nice to me right um, I want somebody to be like kind and present and authentic in the same way of like firm compassion I think somebody can can feel that as like not bu- bullying's a word coming up but it's not quite bullying but like um the, like oh I'm telling you what to do there maybe is like a sense of judgment but instead it's it's really holding somebody to their highest potential. And their highest potential is able to learn from this experience.
0: Yeah, and something, that's really fair. something that comes to mind when you're talking about the differences in these thing is uh, Kyra Kandi's tattoo, you suck, try harder. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's a really positive motivator for hmm. her.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yeah.
0: when she posted it online, she got a lot of pushback about sure. negative self-talk. Yeah. And that's not how she interacts with it. Yeah. You know, I, I'm of the same ilk where I can tell myself, wow, that really fucking sucked.
1: Yeah. Like, yeah.
0: You you just performed horribly. <laughs> right. You know, pick yourself up, get your shit together.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and I and I want people to tell me that. Sure. I don't want somebody to say, Oh, good go when it was a horrible go. Sure. I don't want somebody to say nice work when I half assed it. Yeah. You know?
1: Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Over my climbing uh, growth, especially over the last handful of years, after a lot of um, what was for me negative self talk, realizing that to me, um, success was when I tried as hard as I yep. could, when yep. I p- left it all on the table. Um, and to me, that's what I love and respect most from watching other climbers. Like I, I get more excited and more inspired and more proud of the people around me when I just see them like burn it down in their attempt and then, and then learn about and learn from it. And, and I think that's like, I can love them for trying hard and then that, and that's the gentle. And then I think the firm is, what'd you learn? What do you take from that? What would you do differently? Um, and that's, to to me when i'm in that stance about myself or other people it's very much like about the experience of it and about the potential and um it's a reminder that that there's always there's always data that that is yeah. important
0: one thing i've learned from from coaching people you know a, a wide variety of people is that i'll often have clients like myself who very quickly key in on the things they did wrong um <laughs> and i I like to do that, mm-hmm. but there is a certain um, depletion that mm-hmm. happens there if you're not really careful. Yeah. And one of the things I've had to do with those clients and with myself that that I think still counts as firm compassion is lead with what what did you just do really well?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. What happened there? that was right and that, yeah. and that we'll keep in the next attempt <laughs> yeah 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 you know instead yeah. of the all right what well, went wrong mm-hmm. you know yeah. because that's where they're going immediately anyway on their own
1: yeah yeah definitely um it, again we learn as much from what works as what doesn't work and and being allowing ourselves to be present i think what i see a lot in myself in clients in climbers is like ah, i fucked up and it's like it you didn't reach to change without falling, or the you know the top of the boulder, or whatever. You didn't do the thing without falling, and so it's all a wash. Um, and that's that kind of narrowed uh, approach to things where mm-hmm. we miss it so much. And um, what a what a beautiful like perspective for us to hold as individuals and and to hold for the people around us is a reminder that like there was a lot that was workable there. There was a lot that was that was that was right. That was spot on. That was aligned. And I think this goes back even to the the life that you don't, that you don't need a vacation from. There's a lot there that's workable. Yeah. And and honoring that you're not a total fuck up. Like I just had a a pretty rough a conflict with a friend. I was talking with my therapist about it, and I was just like, I feel like shit. This is so I was so bad. Like I just like a lot of um, just a lot of I was a lot of suffering of like oh judgment, all these things. And she like she gave me the space to have that, and then she was like, well, what? What was okay about it? Because mm. I wasn't ready to, to say like if she had said like what did you do well, it'd been like fucking nothing. Give me some, you know, like <laughs> right, I right. don't need the, your positivity right now. Right. But she was like, what what didn't suck? What was okay? And I was like, well, these things, that thing, they did this, and then like I, I saw and respected that, and blah blah blah, and then and then we kind of just like worked from there. Um, but but even being able to you know that, that's kind of like, like zoomed in and starting to gently zoom out. Um, is such a powerful experience that we can give to ourselves and if we have the resources at the time support others in that was great. What did you learn?
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. I'm glad you said that. Mm. Uh, it j- literally just happened to me two nights ago you know there were there were a lot of small things going wrong during the festival yeah. and as the mm-hmm. as the person out front, which happens at every sure. festival I'm sure. not you know. It's a totally normal thing yeah, to happen at a big event. Yeah and
1: but in the moment can feel like the the farthest thing from the truth, like it's this is the right. only, this is the worst event of all time. whatever. you know, like right. our mind can do all sorts of things, but yeah,
0: right. And as a person who focuses on the things that could be done better, mm. you know, when I got home from the night, I was just like, wow, like this could have gone better. this could have mm. gone better, mm. this sucked. I could have done better here. These people could have done better here. You know, I really blew it at this moment. Mm-hmm. And and my wife immediately because she is a gentle compassion person. She's always upbeat and positive about everyone mm. else's things and she was like, "Well, what went well?" And I'm like, "I'm going to finish telling you all the fucking things." <laughs> That fell apart and were destroyed. Totally. And then we can talk about the two things I did well.
1: Yeah. You know? Sure. Um, sure. Yeah. So. Let me just wring the shit out, and then we'll yeah. go from there. Yeah. That's totally. needed.
0: That's needed sometimes. Yeah. For sure.
1: Yeah. Definitely. And and I think that that you know I have um I'm a credentialed uh, positive psychology coach. I've studied it a lot. It's a big part of my practice. And um and uh, as I talk about prioritizing positivity, which is uh, has come up um in a lot of what we've been talking about so far. Um, prioritizing positivity is is not the like rose colored glasses, don't right. worry, be happy. Right. Um and and it can feel if we talk in when we um when we uh I think there's can be some kind of, kind of like a lack of empathy sometimes when mm-hmm. we're just like, it's okay, don't worry about it. Not and I, I don't think that your wife was doing that.
0: Not and
1: at all. exactly and um and sometimes we just need to like hold it down for somebody to like to be pissed and then start the and, and then hold a space for if they want to flip the spiral back around. Um, but there can, I think, be the kind of judgment, the like good vibes only kind of thing that it that's that's not very compassionate in my in my experience, my perspective, like. Let yeah letting people be pissed letting people like have their tough moment and then you know if they want if they're ready for it to to do something different with it is is a really great gift that we can that we can offer to people and um and I think is something that uh that you know as I as I coach and starting to do more kind of climbing coaching mentorship with ClimbWell something that um is a, is a really beautiful space that we're kind of offering for people. Like, mm. here, here are these other ways of approaching it um, that maybe aren't modeled in in most climbing communities. Yeah. Mm.
0: Yeah. Before before I go any further, I want to say the team at this festival was great.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. I,
0: I don't want to make it sound like all they did was blow it. Um, there were a lot of mistakes and a lot of growth. And, yeah. and because of the team and the way they reacted, I feel 100% confident that – it will be an even better festival next year. Um, so not at yeah. all downing this team. Yeah. So yeah. Um, yeah. Sounds one like thing, a very
1: growth oriented team.
0: Yeah. One thing I, I, I really loved was this image and I, I almost want it to be a, a real thing. This tangible thing that we mm-hmm. actually do is laying out cards mm-hmm. on the table <laughs> with all of our, all of our energizers and all of our drains and then just sitting with those mm-hmm. and, you know, moving them around and see how things might fit better. I I love that image and I think it's important to have some tangible things that people can do to work through these things on their own. Can we talk a little bit about habits, habit changes and some tangible ways to reframe your habits and to, to create new ones or to let old ones go.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's a big part of the the work I've been doing. Like I've been in kind of wellness a lot around behavior change, health behavior change for like a dozen years now and it's um it's been it's fascinating to see how we interact with our behavior and and how how and when Habits start forming, and and what even is a habit? Right. Um, I, I define habit as a a behavior that was once conscious and is now on autopilot, mm, yeah. um, and and it can be a habit that we do very irregularly, but it's kind of an unconscious behavior. Um, uh, you know, it could be something like I simple things like self care stuff, like brushing teeth or whatever. It can be habits like um, when, you know, how you warm up at the gym. Um, it can be habits like, (laughs) I'll never forget this. I had a client that, uh, we were, you know, talking about her texting her ex and it was like, oh, she had this habit that when she felt lonely, she responded with reaching out to exes. Like, those can be habits too. And, and some of them can be super frustrating and draining. Some of them are seemingly innocuous. Some of them are super positive. Mm -hmm. And, um, the, the structure of them is uh, is a lot to do with how we build them, so how we create a new habit and how we dismantle them. Basically, how I work with habits is that of the the three parts, the behavior itself, the the autopilot habitual behavior, is the centerpiece. It's it's triggered by some some sort of cue in our environment, either internally or externally, that leads us to, to the behavior, seeking a reward, seeking some sort of, um, or to put it more, even more simply seeking a need. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're needing something and we, it's almost like we see that need in the distance based on this cue. And then we're like, Oh, well, if I do this, then I get that need met. Um, the the problem lies in the unconscious aspect of habits and that we're just sort of like signed off from them yeah um and like a lot of what i mean i'd say like so much of what we've been talking about today it is the unconscious aspect that that um gets us into trouble you know um we don't need to be analyzing everything in fact sometimes analysis is is super unhelpful because there's like a judgment involved in that we don't have to be evaluating but but Sometimes it is really, really helpful, um, especially when we're, when we see something that's not working, that's draining us, that's not working, that's misaligned with how we want to be. And then in those cases, especially some, some radical awareness, radical honesty with ourselves can be really valuable. So, um, so it's kind of like a little bit of, of how I work, at least with the structure of, of habits and behavior, you know, things that aren't, isn't necessarily um, habitual or routine. It's still every action speaks a need. And the needs can be super simple. You know, like when we think about needs, some of them are basic. Like I I eat because I'm hungry or they can be more complex. I eat because I'm bored. But either way, there's a need there. Yeah. Um, And that's another like really beautiful aspect of of awareness is like, is this, you know, it's the difference between appetite and hunger. For example, um, there are different needs. And um In my experience personally and again, working with people, um, there's very few things that when I work with a client, I'm like, huh, I I can't relate to that. So I feel like, I I feel like I say that a lot where it's like personally and professionally, this is my experience. And also from the evidence that, um, a lot of my, my work is like very evidence research based, um, that, uh, it's a it can be pretty hard to recognize that you have needs and that these needs are coming up in habits and that sometimes we're we're right shit at meeting our needs. Yeah. And that's yeah. hard to acknowledge.
0: Yeah. I'm <laughs> I have horrible habits that that I've had a hard time changing. Totally. And they all revolve around there are these things I need. Yeah. But I let them get sidetracked yeah. one way or another yeah. by things that in the moment I feel like I need Mm -hmm. to do or need to have and in the things I actually need Mm -hmm. end up getting waylaid.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, even that experience of kind of how complicated it can be. And when I say complicated, how I think of that is like, there are a lot of unnecessary parts, a lot of, you know, emotional baggage, a lot of like limiting beliefs, whatever, like it gets complicated. And so that, that, that ecosystem of complication around our habits is often what I think makes them hard to to parse through, hard to lay the cards on the table, because we're like, I don't know, I can't I can't feel straight. I can't think straight about this right now. Yeah. Um, and so in those situations, you know, as we're talking about habits, um, if if we're having this emotional baggage, these limiting beliefs, it's like our thinking mind is pounding really hard. Um, That is going to be a pretty ineffective ecosystem to explore. This like we might need Mm -hmm. to to like settle things down, you know, do things that energize us, go play, go connect, um, and from that space tackle tackle this complicated, maybe complex ecosystem of our habits. So I will say that um, I'd say with anything like where our our resources are super limited when we're in these kind of when we're in like negative. emotionally weighted spaces like we're not gonna produce a whole lot and sometimes that's fair that's where we are um but it um you know a a, a reminder is to go go resource yourself and then maybe tackle some of the the solution finding but um
0: it's so easy to spiral
1: yeah for sure
0: spiral (laughs) out of that for so many reasons you know i'm i'm thinking of my own like maybe my worst habit is that i will sit down to work on something Mm -hmm. that i really love working on um but i'll get so engrossed in it Mm. that even though i'm 10 feet from my kitchen i don't eat for hours and hours and hours and suddenly i realize i've been sitting here for six or seven hours working on this thing and i haven't eaten Mm -hmm. and Oftentimes, my wife will point it out to me. Mm. You know? And then, because I haven't eaten, I'm hangry and I'm grumpy. <laughs> sure. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm doing this. And don't right, tell me. Right. And, you know? yeah. and then I'm like, yeah. I could go out into the gym and climb and feel better about it. But now I haven't eaten and I don't have yeah. the energy to go try hard. And what I want to <laughs> do out there is try hard. And that gets me more angry. And I just ruined this training day. And... Mm-hmm. You know, oh, yeah. it becomes this spiraling right. out of control thing. And the one thing I've found that saves me in that moment is I do have a circuit of really easy, fun uh-huh. boulders I can go out there and do. Yeah. I can eat something or make a protein shake or something yeah. and go out there and do those really easy boulders. Yeah. And then I f- then I'm back and yes. I'm not just angry at everything everyone says sure. to me. Sure, you sure. Know? Yeah. But it took me a long time to find that one little thing I can mm. slide into the middle to break this spiral.
1: Yeah, yeah. Definitely, even as you're talking about it, it's just like this spiral that kind of like pumps itself down and down and down. And then the having that awareness of yourself to kind of level out the spiral, like, okay, I'm going to eat... I know, I know something I can do that's that's baseline that will start to energize me. And we start to kind of like pump up the spiral, the, the upward spiral, yeah. where we have more resources. We're back in our bodies. Like um, head connected to body is, is a pretty profound experience for mm-hmm. a lot of us and something that we can lose sight of pretty easily. Um, but for you, like with that habit, what would you say is the – is the behavior if you could pinpoint what the what the non the not workable part or moment is do you think
0: i think for me it's the you mean the behavior that kind of leads me into Mm -hmm. it
1: Mm -hmm. the habit quote unquote yeah the
0: habit is and and this is interesting i'm curious to hear what you'll Mm -hmm. say about this it's it can be a really good thing and it can be a really bad thing. And I'm not sure mm-hmm. exactly where the trigger is that turns it from one to the other. Um, but when I have an idea, I'm, I'm really good at sitting down and exploring that idea in all sorts of different directions, mm-hmm. um, which can lead me into this rabbit hole that I can't get out of. Mm. And, and somewhere in there, I stop allowing myself to explore other directions, and I'm going in this one direction. Okay. And it's like tunnel visioned. Okay. And then all of a sudden, I've been there for yeah. five hours, not eating.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know? Okay. So, with that said, what would be what would be the habit? Yeah. What would be the what would be the unconscious um, autopilot behavior? That, that you're looking to adjust or you did adjust? Would be like the rabbit hole part?
0: Yeah. Okay. It's definitely the rabbit hole. Okay. It's the, and I'm starting to get better, maybe one out of five times now. I can like see the darkness closing in <laughs> and, and I'm in this hole now and I'm like, okay, back up, yeah, back up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so I am improving at recognizing that. Yeah and then reversing out of it and going a different direction okay. um, just to see what happens like i mentioned earlier exploring other beta mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. may not work but you have to explore right. it to know yeah um yeah I'll, I'll very often think oh i'm right about this mm-hmm. and i'll go down that path but mm-hmm. now i've gotten better at branching off sure sure and that helps yeah. me allow myself to either get up and make something to eat to mm-hmm. reset my brain yeah or s- realize that I need to go out into the gym or I need to yeah. go out and water the grass yeah. or mm-hmm. whatever it is that breaks this rabbit hole. Yeah. Yeah. Still not good at it, but
1: yeah. Yeah. That it, so it sounds like it's, there's some awareness, like it's kind of, um, loosening the, the structure around the habit with that awareness. Like you're, you're bringing some consciousness to it. You're, you're catching it, you're, it sounds like building some of that mind-body awareness of what it's like, what it feels like mentally, emotionally, physically, to when, when the blinders start coming in, mm-hmm. which is a really, um, a pretty visceral experience. And, yeah. and if we think about it, I'm sure all of us can relate to it, but we might not notice. Um, and so, so the habit being uh, blinders coming in when, an, when you, like an idea you're psyched on kind of thing, um, any sense of what what begins to narrow those blinders? What what you're thinking about, feeling? What's going on in the idea? What's going on in your body that might um, start to bring those bring that narrowed it's, focus?
0: It's always a moment of like, oh, I've got it now.
1: Ah, like, okay.
0: I I I know what I'm doing now and. Ah. Then I like tuck into that aerodynamic <laughs> position and fly down the rabbit hole as fast yeah, yeah, yeah. as I can.
1: Certainty, you know? certainty is right there. Yeah, I'll go get it. Exactly. For sure. Oh yeah.
0: And I actually really enjoy uncertainty. Mm-hmm. I enjoy the exploration around yeah. uncertainty, but there is something about certainty that yeah. makes me dive for it. Totally. You
1: know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we can definitely lose ourselves in the pursuit of certainty. And that is that narrowed focus. Like yeah. the pursuit of certainty is the narrowed focus where we forget that there's a world out there. There's a human body beneath this head that's like burning so hot. Um, so So with that said, the, the it sounds like the cue is a, a sense of I got it. Mm-hmm. um a sense of some shift in clarity that you latch onto and it's just like zoom. yeah I like that you said like the aerodynamic position I'm going in yeah um any sense of what the reward is when you when you're in that aerodynamic position going in like hot and fast towards what you've got in that moment what the reward what you're getting out of that what feels good about that
0: I mean when it feels Good When it doesn't totally spiral out of control Mm -hmm. and it actually ends up with a rewarding feeling, it's that I create a thing that then I'm ready to Mm -hmm. give to other people. Like I feel like I've shaped it, molded it, I'm ready to hand it to other people. Mm -hmm. And I love watching people learn from this thing that I just made, Yeah, whatever Mm -hmm. that thing is. Um, That's the reward for me. I don't always have it when I think I have it, sure. you know, and to, to bring it back to climbing, one of my longest term projects is uh, 13D in the Red River Gorge swing line. I tried the same beta for 70 attempts, yeah. you know, mm. and because I thought, oh, I've got it. I, mm. I know how this works. Blinders on, yeah. tuck into the position. I'm yeah. going. Yeah. And then I watched someone else do it a different way. And my immediate response was, oh, I just can't reach that. I can't reach that foothold. Yeah, And I didn't try it for like five more times. And then the first time I tried it his way, when I said, okay, I'm going to step out of this fucking rabbit hole. (laughs) And I tried it his way. The move was three V grades easier. Yeah. Whoa. And I was like, oh, shit.
1: Yeah. What a perfect example of that. And I think we're all doing that all the time. Because we get so hell-bent on the pursuit of certainty, the pursuit of control, like the pursuit of safety, whatever. And we get, yeah, we get hell-bent on those pursuits that we kind of lose touch with. Well, how am I getting there? What is it, you know, at what cost, at what risk to, um, to the human being, to the world, whatever it is in the pursuit of that, like that dogged reward or dogged need that we're trying to get to, which is like needs are neutral that which is the beautiful thing and and our expression of them our pursuit of them can be more or less workable um so your pursuit of completion of the uh, of kind of to me as I as I you know hear you talking about this rabbit hole with like a project I'm seeing of just like tying it all together, like having Mm -hmm. this like full circle that, that makes sense. And then you can just like, and then you can put it out to the world as this, as this full thing, this like, it's like baby brain baby, which is such a cool thing to, to put out. And in the pursuit of that, which that in of itself is, is neither right nor wrong. It's just important to you in that moment in the pursuit of that, um, you know, when we detach from ourselves and we forget that this body is also hungry, um, we, we kind of lose lose track of, of the malleability and the flexibility and we go into behaviors. Um, something that can be really, really helpful with changing a habit or, or adding a habit is convenience and inconvenience, making the habit that we want, the, the habit that we want to build or the behavior that we want to do, making it convenient. Um, like, like having snacks right next to you, um, setting, uh, what something like that would be probably the most convenient in this situation. Something inconvenient to make to make the rabbit hole inconvenient would be like setting a timer, and at that mm. timer you take a break, and then in that moment you can like break the spell and be like, oh shit, I was deep in a rabbit hole, and but the spell has been broken because we have this this inconvenient timer, this inconvenient reminder, or something else. Like, do, what is there anything coming up for you as far as? That situation that would that would be helpful, convenience or inconvenience to to keep you more connected with your body in those work moments. It's,
0: it's really interesting you said the timer. Um, I any anyone who works with me can attest that I'm maybe cursed with having too many ideas to sort through all the time. <laughs> sure. um, one of the things I've done for myself. But I've only done it with apparel designs for some reason. Mm -hmm. I've never applied it to any of these other projects Mm -hmm. I work on. Um, What I do when I have an apparel design or a logo design that I want to explore, I set a timer for 10 minutes. I'm like, I'm going to sketch this for 10 minutes Mm -hmm. and then that's the idea. Mm -hmm. And if I like it at that point, Mm -hmm. then another day I'll continue it. Um, But there are hundred 10 minute sketches that never went anywhere. Right. And then there are other 10 minute sketches that became a shirt or became yeah. a design for something mm. or, um, but I've never done it with a podcast idea or a mm-hmm. book idea or um, one of these graphic ideas that I'm, that I have been putting on Instagram lately. Mm. Um, those things almost always, or bigger work projects as we're talking about this, I'm I'm realizing how many times I've lived the moment of sitting at the table across from Lana, my office manager, and I go, what if, and she goes, oh, my God, <laughs> because she knows what's coming. <laughs> and that that almost always is the very first step to going down this rabbit mm-hmm. hole. It doesn't mm-hmm. always end in the rabbit hole. Yeah but every time there's a rabbit hole, mm. that's the first step. Mm. What mm. if, mm. and then I'd talk myself into it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, hmm. What's, what's, what does it feel like when you're talking yourself into it as opposed to exploring idea? What's the difference?
0: There's a lot of excitement in the talking myself into ah, it. Okay. I'm, I'm exploring, I'm jumping around, I'm bouncing between ideas. I'm going, you know, maybe this is a bad idea, but what about this? Mm-hmm. and, You know, and one of the issues is that I also know what triggers Lana to go into that place. And I know if I have an idea she's going to agree with or not. Yeah. And so I'll present this idea that I know will get her excited to Hmm. talk about and explore and do the what ifs. Mm. And then it becomes half of our day.
1: Yeah, totally, totally, <laughs> you know? yeah. Um, hmm.
0: So, so I need I need to pay closer attention, I think, to the what if moment, mm. and and just be a little more discerning about which what ifs I allow mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. follow. Yeah, I love the having snacks yeah. near me idea. That's something we preach a lot in climbing in general. Is have your tools at the ready. Yeah. You know, we created this crag kit and this boulder bag because yeah. I want you to be able to have your stuff packed at any moment, have your things ready. Sure. I don't want you to get to the crag and not have tape when you get a split. Totally. I don't want you to not have a file. I don't yeah. want you to not have clippers. Yeah, yeah. You know, I want all these things at the ready there. at yeah. all times mm-hmm. and for you to not have to think about it, mm-hmm. you know,
1: mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah. Yeah, the convenience and inconvenience element, as I coach around habit, that seems to be pretty. Um, people make a natural connection to that. They're like, yeah, that the things that I do are it's because they're inconvenient. There, it's because they're convenient. Things I don't do is because they're less convenient. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and being aware of, well, what are you? What are you trying to do? Are you Are you trying to to like ring out this whole idea? And, and you, um, you really want to totally flush out on whole uh, one whole idea. Okay, great. Maybe doing that a little bit more deliberately and consciously. Like I want I want to see every angle of this one idea. Um, but I'm doing that consciously and it I think that can keep us a little bit more in touch with. Um, I'm zooming in on this, but I'm also doing that on purpose. Like it's not just my my brain, in the in the unconscious pursuit of certainty or control it's it's i'm i really want to understand this like we talk about that einstein quote like i really want to understand this problem yeah i want to i want to define it i want to see all the angles of it um but i'm doing yeah. it with both feet on the ground and my head attached to my body um
0: and that works that works best for us with big projects yeah and i just haven't tried to apply that to the little yeah, smaller sure medium-sized projects that i can take on by myself sure sure but when it is a big project it's you know i'll i'll do the what if we do this big seminar and Mm -hmm. this happens Mm -hmm. and lana's like yeah that's a really good idea let's talk about that on thursday
1: (laughs) you just sit on that yeah and yeah
0: and then it works out best Mm -hmm. if we set aside for two hours, we're going to discuss this thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then next week for two hours, we're going to discuss this thing.
1: Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that, that kind of brings, brings to mind for me that laying the cards on the table and then just yeah. sitting with it. You know, we, it, um, one of the frameworks that I learned early on in my coaching was awareness, acceptance, action, and we really want to go awareness action. we like, mm-hmm. it's so, it's so yeah. seductive to go from, I understand this enough to do things, to take action. To, That's me for sure. To go into totally, I think all of us yeah. have that, you know, to go into doing. I want to go into doing. I want to go into fixing, um, and and there's often when we when we're in that that zoomed in like aerodynamic, like I'm going to fix this. We miss so much, um, and that like. To me, there's always metaphors to, to rock climbing. One of the reasons I love about rock climbing is it's taught me so much about myself and about the world around me. We are on the rock in the same way we are in the rest of our lives. And um, uh, it's, yeah, it's really easy to kind of zoom in and, and forget that like um, a mantra that somebody told me once is uh, a mantra being like a, a phrase that you repeat the mantra of hmm, and this like mm. really playful curiosity. <laughs> I mean, you just did it. Hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, this playful curiosity that we can bring into into what we perceive as a problem, or, or we're like, wow, I really want to fix this. I really want to control it. I really want to like tidy it all up because the messiness is annoying me. Like, hmm. Yeah. Okay. I see that. I feel that. And just like letting it sit for a second. Yeah. You know?
0: I love it. I mm. think I think that's probably a really good place to mm. say, let's do this again sometime. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Um, anybody who's listening to this conversation and who feels like you're someone that they want to work with can yeah. can relate to. Um, you know, you speak the language they they like to hear mm-hmm. uh, in order to improve. How can they? get involved in this next retreat.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, tickets, we still have spots. It's a small group, um, 18. So it's a pretty intimate retreat size and, um, they can, I mean, they can get involved by joining us in rifle in September. We're super excited to have it in such a world-class destination. We're going to, I think the idea is to kind of keep bouncing around to these really Um, kind of special crags and creating experience there for people. But um, a little bit about the retreats there. So there are four days um, of workshops and clinics um, at the intersection of rock climbing, mindfulness, intentional life design, like so much of what we've been talking about here, how I, how I talk about it. And this is, I think, different than Gabby and Remy. But ClimbWell is about navigating the complexities of, of, being human while climbing mm. and of climbing while being human. And um, that's uh, that means, you know, we're talking about high performance. Like our clinics are like performance climbing, art of attention, which I did here at the festival. Um, we're talking a lot about like mindfulness techniques, um, on and off the rock, how to integrate life into our climbing and climbing into the rest of our lives. Um, it's for experienced rock climbers. So um, besides kind of the other... Uh, elements that would draw climbers, like they're at a plateau, they're trying to, um, they're trying to pass or whatever. Um, a comfortable leading five ten is how is how we um, kind of set that up. That that folks are experienced rock climbers. It's not about this retreat in September. Isn't so much about teaching rock climbing, though. That is a potential um, that we'll add in the future. And it's for folks that are that are super passionate about climbing and want to, um, you know, build their self awareness, um, build their performance, and and also be in a community that's doing the same thing with coaches and mentors that, um, which is such
0: a valuable, valuable yes. thing a lot of people yes. are missing. Yeah, yeah. Is this intentional community yeah. that that really wants to help you succeed
1: for sure? Yeah, and and I think what what I've noticed in our other events and, and retreat is that that we, you know, us three as founders and the people that come, we we just do an amazing, a spectacular job of creating a safe place for people to explore this stuff. Yeah. To like grapple with hard questions, Good. to grapple with their performance, to grapple with um, what's alive in, in them and also to have fun and to support others. Like it's very much a co mentoring experience because you know we have folks from 510 to 513 plus and um the given the breadth of our our workshops and the fact that there are two workshops and two clinics going on at each time people can can curate an experience based on what's coming up for them Uh, and then we're also there to kind of coach with well this is where i'm at right now what do you think would be more helpful how how um what might be helpful for me in this moment and um that, that was actually maybe one of the most fun experiences was just this like in the moment, live, what's coming up for you? Like there was one participant we were doing an exercise and he was like, I hate this exercise. And I was like, <laughs> okay, cool. What do you want to do with that? And yeah. he was like, I kind of want to not do it, but I trust you. So I'm going to do it again and I'm going to see how that goes. And I was like, okay. And I came back and he's like, I hated it because I didn't understand it. And I did it again with that curiosity or with like, with that in mind of like, I don't understand this. I don't understand this. And it built some understanding. And yeah. and that was really cool. And because it could have been like, cool, you don't have to do it. It's okay. We'll put you in another clinic, whatever. Um, But the, but us as, as coaches and counselors, we're, we're really adept at like, it's all okay. Yeah. So now what?
0: Yeah. I'm also glad that you said you have five, 10 to 13 plus climbers yes. because I think there's a big misconception um, for a lot of people, that once you're climbing 513 or something, you've got it all figured out, you know. Yeah. As if having stronger fingers makes yeah. you a more complete human, you know? <laughs> and yeah. it just doesn't work that right. way, you know. Yeah. And I appreciate the the holistic view that you take there. Something something I tell people when they're asking about what is Power Company you mm. know, if they aren't yeah. familiar. I, I basically just say we're trying to make better climbers, not just make you climb better. Yeah, yeah. You know, yes. there's, there's a difference there. Yeah, and for sure. So, mm, yeah, I, I hope I hope there are a lot of people listening who want to get involved in these yeah. retreats and go learn more about themselves and yeah. their motivations yeah. and how to reach the places they want to reach.
1: Yeah, yeah. So. We're, we're super excited. Our last retreat sold out. It was slightly smaller, but... Um, by a few but it sold out so we're excited for another another um another group that is ready to to play and to learn and grow together and um it's yeah it was it was um no exaggeration the most fun i've had climbing maybe ever like doing the retreat Mm -hmm. just because getting to have just facilitating the experience that we had curated being with these people like and that's in a in a wealth of incredible climbing experiences in my life. It was just such a peak experience for me as a facilitator. And I know um, the participants went away like pretty mind-blown and transformed, um, which was just so humbling to behold. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I'm glad you're doing it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. We're excited. I,
0: I love that our, you know, we're focused on different, focused on the same thing from different avenues you know from different Mm. sides of the mountain we're both trying to get to the same place Um, and I think there are a lot more coaches and practitioners out there doing the same thing Mm. starting from a different place and and I I love that through this podcast I've been able to talk to people learn from people connect with people and then give the gift of what those people have to pass on to all of the listeners and to the audience um, because i never know where people are starting Mm -hmm. you know Um, that's something i've heard you say multiple times throughout this conversation that that i've learned a lot about in the last four to five years is that my experience is one thing and my experience is a true thing Mm -hmm. but it doesn't mean the person standing next to me had the same experience even exactly. if we were standing next to each other the whole time. Exactly. Um, so, mm-hmm. so I appreciate you, and I yeah. appreciate um, where you're coming from and yeah, how you're getting there. So,
1: yeah, ditto. So. Yeah, it's really, it's been really cool seeing how you have developed Power Company and like bringing in a lot of influence from other people that that, like you said, are doing things differently and and um, Giving us all like this this pretty broad, uh, holistic view of climbing and of climbing training and um, what it means to to perform and you know the metaphor for rock climbing is always really poignant but it's I think a lot of it we can learn about like how do we how do we systematize how do we dial into what whatever we're trying to do that's hard.
0: Mm. Yeah, awesome. Well, yeah, and. Last thing, um, it was nice to meet you. Yeah, you you do. I know. Yeah, this this was was great. (laughs) For our
1: first (laughs) conversation, I think we nailed it. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Um, Yeah, awesome. Thanks.
0: Like I said, this is exactly the reason I love doing this thing. These kinds of conversations, really getting to dig in and know people and really hear about their expertise and i I appreciate blake sitting down and being willing to do that without a bunch of preparation first for me those conversations are just much more authentic and feel so much better for me so i appreciate it if the climb well retreat sounds like something you might be interested in there is one coming up soon september 23rd to 26th it's going to be in rifle and there are 18 spots available. So get in there and get your spot now. You can use the code POWER10, that's POWER, all caps, one zero for 10% off of your registration. They also have scholarships and half scholarships available. You can find the application for those scholarships as well as the links to learn more about Climwell and get signed up for the retreat right there in the show notes in your pocket supercomputer. You can also find links to Blake at Pivot Wellness, as well as to her Instagrams. And while you're at it, clicking links and things, don't forget to sign up for the email for the Power Company Climbing Academy and the new courses that Nate and I are working on. So you'll be the first to know. And you can find us as always at powercompanyclimbing.com. You can find us at Power Company Climbing on the Instagrams, the Facebooks, the Pinterests, the YouTubes, all the social medias. And you should absolutely 100% be letting the people on Twitter know how the Climb Well Retreat goes for you. We're not gonna see it though because we don't tweet, we scream like eagles. No,
1: this so. time, <BACK> <specs> the <officials> <G�stone> <For> <Theạnh> Cha. This time to fail, This time to This time to This time to It's time to build. This time to This time it's time 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 it's time time time